Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to talk about a subject for just a few minutes that is so powerful, so important, so necessary, and something that all of us do, every single one of us, even if you don't know you do it. And some of us do it good, and some of us do it better, and some of us don't do it so good. But it's called pray. Some of you might be in here today and you might not even, you might say, I don't even believe in God, but you still pray. You know, atheists pray when they're in a, when they're in a bind. So everybody looks up to somebody, to a higher power when they, when, they need a, when they need some help, amen. But prayer is a key to a victorious life as a believer. And I want to talk this morning about powerful, unbroken prayer life. And so there's nobody in here, including myself as a pastor, that does this perfect. Nobody. There may be some people in here, and I believe there are, that do it well, that have, that have a prayer life and, and know how to touch God and know how to reach to God and know how to speak to God and know how to get a hold of God. But how many know that God will never tell us, you've prayed too much? Yeah, stop. Because that would be the communication between us and God. So no one's ever prayed too much, but lots of people don't pray enough. And prayer is what changes things. Prayer is what makes the possible, the impossible possible. And I want to teach you a few things for this morning for those that are, that are wanting to learn how to be a better prayer warrior, how to have a prayer life. And I want to start it off in, in a moment in some scripture, but I want to give you something that I was thinking about very, very powerfully. And this, this quote and this statement might be the most important part of the message if you'll just grab this. How many worry in here? Do I have anybody who, I'm just going to wait for everybody to raise their hand because everybody worries. Some people are better at worrying. Some people are professional worriers. Some people worry very little, but everybody worries, okay? And when you worry, when we worry about something, we talk to ourselves. I know that sounds weird, but you do. Every one of us talk to ourselves, okay? Oh, that person talked. Now, I know some people have full-blown conversations and respond to themselves, okay? That's when it's a problem. But everybody talks to themselves, and what we do is we worry about something, and we talk to ourselves about a situation we can't control. Anybody else notice that you do that? So worrying, we say, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick, or I'm, I need a job, or and you're talking it out, and you have no control over a lot of those things. But when you pray... You're talking to God who has control over everything. That's the difference. So what we need to do is we're always going to have worries. We're always going to have doubts. We're always going to have fears. Is We need to learn how to talk to God and learn how to win the battle in prayer and, and actually talk to somebody who can actually fix the situation. Because we can't fix it, amen? So worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you can't change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. Jeremiah 33.3 says this. You'll see a lot of scriptures today because my words mean nothing, but God's words mean everything. God's word is what changes people. And it says, call to me. God says, call to me. Shout to me. Pray to me. And I will answer you now he doesn't say when he'll answer because sometimes it rings for a long time it's not because he's busy it's because he's dealing with us in a certain way 
But he says he'll answer. Amen. Do you see that? Call and I will answer. And, and then he says, when I answer, I will show you great and mighty things. And by the way, this is doctrine from Pastor Blake. I believe moms and grandmas have a direct line to heaven. Moms and grandmas have a straight, I mean, there's, it only rings once. God picks it up. And many of us here today are here because of a praying mom, a praying grandma. I am. I'm here because of a praying mom and a praying grandma. Amen? So moms and grandmas that are here, please keep doing the calls. Please get, keep getting that straight line to heaven. Amen? And then it says, and he'll show you great and mighty things which you don't know. There's a supernatural uh, level uh, atmosphere in the world that exists that happens, changes, transforms in prayer. And when people tap into it, you can become, I say, and I'm going to say this now, I said it in the first service a little, or a little later, you can be a nobody in this world and be a superhero with God in prayer. You can have no abilities, no talents, nothing to give, and, and tap into the power of an unbroken prayer life and be a supernatural superhero. You can mean, meaning you are making an impact in heaven. How many want to make an impact in heaven? So God has some promises of his word in Mark eleven twenty four. Here's what he says. Whatever, when I, I say to you, whatever things you ask, and then it says when you what? Lots of people ask for things, but they don't pray. And believe that you will receive them. He says you will have them. Then Matthew 7 verse 7 says. And ask and it will be given to you. Knock or seek sorry and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Now this isn't making God a genie. genie he's not a, a genie that we rub the bottle and he comes out and grants us three wishes. But he's saying that when you are in his will. And you believe him at his word and you quote his promises, you can pray and God will answer. Can somebody say amen? amen? So I want to give you just a few things for those that are taking notes, writing these things down. A few effective ways. When I do something, I like to be effective. I mean, you can do something or you can do something and be effective. That means you actually get somewhere. I want to be effective in my prayer life. And so I'm going to give you a few things to think about. One of the things I wrote down was we need to learn how to pray out loud. Like, like this, out loud, so you can hear me. Uh, there, are, there are people, there are religious groups, and there are times where people would pray in, you know, in, in, inside where you can't hear it and meditate or whatever. But I'm going to show you in the scriptures that there's a power to praying out loud. Luke 11 verse 2 says, when you pray, say. doesn't say think. It says say. Now, I didn't say you had to shout. didn't say you had to scream. But there's something about praying out loud, okay? There's something about, and, and one of the things I was thinking about, I get up early, I make myself get up early to pray in the morning, and when I get up early to pray, and, and, I, and it's quiet, and no one's around, um, if I don't pray out loud, I could fall asleep. Sometimes I pray out loud to keep myself awake. If I pray in, this, if I pray in my mind, I'm going to look up and go, wow, I prayed for an hour because I was sleeping. Amen, I wasn't really praying. And so he says, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a power about praying out loud. And then another thing is Matthew 6, 6. This is the, the, the other extreme, is that God wants us to have a place to pray. 
God wants us to go into that secret place, and, and every one of us needs to. And listen, I'm only talking to people here who want to be overcomers. I'm only talking to people here who want to be victorious. I'm only talking to people here who want to tap into the power of God and want your life to be better. That, that's the people I'm talking to. If that's you this morning, you have to have a place where you pray. Mine's changed a bunch of times over the years. I've been doing this for 30 years. Mine has changed. It used to be a time in my life where I had to get up and I had to get in my car and I had to drive somewhere to pray. It could have been a church building. It could have been a place to look out over, over something. But I had to drive somewhere so I could wake myself up. I could get focused on it and pray. Now today I can pray at home. It changes. But you have to have a place and a time where you spend time with God. And he says, when you pray, go into your room. And, and by the way, it doesn't say if you pray, because a believer has to pray. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You will never see somebody doing something great for God who does not have a prayer life. When you see somebody who's doing something great for God and you go, wow, that's, what a marriage, what a preacher, what a, an evangelist, what a singer, what a great woman or man of God. They're doing something for God. You can be sure that they have a prayer life and they have a prayer closet and they know how to get a hold of God because God blesses in public what is done in secret. Amen? And so that's an important thing, to pray out loud, but also to have a place to pray. Here's the second one. You must have a time to pray. Listen to this closely. Some pray at 7, some pray at 9, some pray never. That should never be the case with a believer. If you're here today, you're a guest, someone drug you here, someone tricked you to coming here, whatever it is, or you're here because you want to be, whatever it is, if you, if you want to be an overcomer, you have to decide, I'm going to have a prayer life. Because it is a power that God expects us to have. And when we tap into it, things that are impossible, again, I have to say it again, can become possible. But you have to pray. You have to have a time. And how often you should pray, the Bible says, is without ceasing. So we should never have a day that goes by we don't pray. But I would tell you that an hour shouldn't go by without praying. We should be in constant contact with the Lord. So making an appointment, this is biblical. Acts chapter 3, look at this, verse 1. Peter and John are going up to the temple at the what? Some, shout, shout it out with me. Those that can read from back there. At the... In, in other words, they had a time every day they went to prayer. Now, this was a public prayer. This was at the temple. This was, this was a church thing. Lots of churches, we did this for a lot of years in Costa Rica when I was a missionary. We've had it here different times, different days, different hours where the church is open for prayer. This is public prayer. They're meeting at the church to pray. But there's, there's also a personal time. If you're here this morning, and I'm, and I'm talking to our church family, you're here this morning and you only pray when you're at church, something's wrong. We, we teach you how to pray here. We actually have a prayer room. We have a place behind here where everybody goes before the service because we don't want our praise team and we don't want our ushers and our children's church workers to be serving you and telling you about Jesus in their flesh. Is anybody thankful for that? I don't get up here and grab this microphone and preach God's holy word without spending time in his presence. 
without making sure that I'm trying to speak his words and not mine. And so we must pray. But you've got to pray outside of the church because just coming to church doesn't make you a believer. Any more than your car sitting inside of a, a, a or you sitting inside of a garage makes you a car. Amen. It's not what makes you a Christian. Believing is what makes you a Christian. And then if you're a believer, then you pray. Believers pray, and people that pray believe. So it goes hand in hand. So Peter and John are walking up at the hour of prayer, and this is going to lead into another thing. The second thing, or sorry, third thing about prayer is you need to read your word. You need to read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible, and you need to learn to pray the Bible. You, you have to get the, the Bible in you so that you can pray the Bible out of you. You have to be able to say, God's word says, I am the head and not the tail. God's word says, I'm above and not below. I will lend and not borrow. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will lift up a standard against the enemy. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their lands. You have to be able to pray, devil, you're not welcome in my house. You have to be able to pray, devil, get behind me. You have to be able to pray. The Bible says, man shall not live by word alone, but by every word, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, you don't understand how much power there is in the Bible. Now, if you want to make the devil mad, pray. If you want to make the devil mad, read the Bible. If you want to make the devil real mad, and that's where I'm at, pray and read the Bible. If you want to make the, the devil the maddest, pray the word of God. He hates it. He hates the word of God. And I like to make the devil mad. Amen? So key, the key is, pray the word of God. And if, But here's why we have to read the Bible too. If I'm praying something and it's not lining up with the word of God then I'm praying in vain. If I'm not reading the Bible, then I don't know what I'm supposed to be praying for. Let me just give you a very easy, generic example for today. If you are praying and not reading the Bible and not understanding the will of God, and you want a husband or a wife, and you're saying, Lord, I want a husband or a wife, but then you meet somebody who is not a believer, the Bible says that's unequally yoked. And so if you go ahead and make a relationship with that person and you don't know the will of God, and even though you're praying but you don't go off by what the word of God says, you can be unequally yoked with the person. And then you cause all kinds of problems. Amen? So there's all kinds of decisions that we make in our lives that don't line up with the word. We're praying, but it's like it's hitting the ceiling because we're not in God's perfect will. And the last thing is we need to fast. I didn't just cuss, by the way. Amen? Fasting. If you like to fast, God bless you. But fasting is powerful. Pa fasting is important. Some of you parents want to see a breakthrough in your kids. Some of you parents want to see your kids get saved. Some of you that are in a marital problem want to see your marriage change. Some of you that are having financial problems and want to see your finances change. There are some things that are not going to change unless you pray and fast. Jesus said some of these things, some of these spirits won't come out 
without prayer and fasting. But not only does it move mountains, it also gives you uh, insight. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 30. Write this down if you're taking notes. Starve your flesh and feed your spirit. So Cornelius, four days ago, he says, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me. So he's fasting, and he's having a vision. That's supernatural. And then it says in the next verse, and Cornelius, he says, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. So when you fast, it gets you that direct line moms and grandmas have to heaven. Amen? And moms, if you fast, imagine how much faster God will answer then. But what I'm saying here is Paul is, this happens as Cornelius is fasting. And if you don't know the story, if you've ever heard of Paul, the apostle that wrote the Bible, most of the two-thirds of the New Testament, he gets saved because of Cornelius fasting. In this vision, he has a vision of Paul, who was Saul, and he leads him to, not to the Lord because that was Jesus, but he leads him in his path of discipleship and has a big part of touching his life. If you began to fast and pray for people, what if you, what if you could touch the next Billy Graham? What if you could ne- touch the next person who you, you might not do it yourself, but you reach somebody who reaches multitudes? You can do that through praying and through fasting. So how many are still here this morning? I want to give you, now those are, those are ways to effectively pray, okay? I'm going to go over them again like school, amen? I didn't like school, so I need repetitiveness. Pray out loud. It's a powerful thing. You must make a time to pray, because if you don't make a time, if you don't make an appointment, you won't. Read the Bible every day and pray the Bible and fast. Now, here's, what ha- here's some things that can happen that you should pray for, If you're here and you're like, I'm on board, Pastor, I want to have a powerful, unbroken prayer life. If you're here still, you haven't turned me off, this is for you. Number one, pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Pray for God to guide you. I want God to guide me in every decision I make. Now, I'm not talking about brushing your teeth. Some people are like, the Lord told me to brush my teeth. No, you need to brush your teeth every day. The Lord doesn't need to tell you that. And you're following me? Some people are so super spiritual that they sound like that, and that's ridiculous. I'm talking about making decisions. Maybe I shouldn't go there. Maybe I should go here. I should talk to this person. I shouldn't talk to that person. Guide me. Lead me. Has God ever put you in a situation that you realize this is not a good situation, but I'm supposed to be here? God's doing something. God's doing something. Guidance of the Holy Spirit. We see this in this same story, if you look at Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John got to the gate at the hour of prayer. When you're praying, watch this, you're in the right place at the right time. Okay, when you're praying, you're in the right place at the right time. You'll never be at the wrong place in the wrong time if you're praying. You can't be, because you're praying. And you're, God's going to have you where you need to be. Okay, so in this story, John chapter, um, Acts chapter 3 Verse 2, because we already read verse 1. Watch what happens. They're there at the hour of prayer. And a lame man from his mother's womb was carried to them, to the gate, daily, so he could, uh, at the temple called Beautiful, so he could ask for money and alms and for those who entered the temple. So as they're walking in, he sees Peter and John. 
and he and going into the temple, and he says, hey, give me something. So Peter stops, full of the Holy Spirit, next verse, and says, fixing his eyes on him, John and Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something monetary. That's what he wanted. And Peter says some of the most famous words in the Bible in the next verse. Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And this man stands up to his feet and gets him by the right hand, and it says immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. Amen? Watch this. Next verse. And leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Because Peter and John were praying, because Peter and John were at the right place, because they were being led by the Holy Spirit, they were able to see a great miracle of a paralytic who had been lame since birth, rise up and get off of his feet. How many have ever seen God do a miracle? God still does miracles today in this place. Amen? We've seen many, many miracles, many, many breakthroughs, many, many uh, things happen because Jesus still heals. Amen? But when you're guided by the Holy Spirit, he'll put you in that right place. Here's another example. uh, Acts chapter 16. You might know this story. Paul and Silas have just been arrested, and they're being beaten. They've been beaten. They're, in the, they're in, the, um, in the cell, and this is Acts chapter 16. It says, when they, laid their, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding, pay attention to this, the jailer to secure them securely, having received such a charge. So he put them on the inner prison. He fastened their feet in stocks so they couldn't move. But at midnight, watch this, Paul and Silas began to complain. It's not what it says. That's what we do. Anybody guilty? We complain. I watched these two brothers yesterday of Jennifer as I sat right there in the front row, not here, but another church, and watch these brothers get up and talk about their sister who had passed away too young. And watch the boy, the young man, I don't, probably in his 30s, say, we just have to thank God for this. We just have to thank God for his grace and his mercy. Only God can give someone the strength to say that as they're laying their sister to rest at 40 years old. Amen? And why am I saying that? Because... There's something that happens when you are connected to God in prayer on a daily basis. You get to a place where you learn how to pray instead of complain. You talk to God about your situation instead of complaining to yourself about it. As I go back to the beginning of the message, talking to yourself about your problem won't solve it. Talking to somebody else about your problem won't solve it. We're all guilty. We all do it. We're good at complaining. I'm not saying it's you and not me. We're all good. But Paul and Silas began to pray and sing hymns to God. And the prisoners, and as a matter of fact, let me change what I just said. They didn't begin. They were praying. They were already in, see, if you're already in the position of praying when you run into a situation, you're going to be ready to handle it. Don't wait till the situation happens to pray. Be praying. 
And because they were praying and worshiping God, the, and this is, a po- this is just, just to confirm my point about praying out loud, it says they were listening to them. So they were praying loud enough for them to hear them. Okay? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. When you get an understanding of the power of prayer, you can break chains. When you stop complaining about your problems and start praying about your problems, chains can begin to break off your families. Amen. They were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking, watch this, from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill. See, you don't understand Roman law. He wanted to kill himself because what they were going to do to him was torture him and then kill him. So he draws his sword to kill himself, and then watch what happens. But Paul calls and says, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. We're all here. None of us have left. And he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And listen, this is what it's all about for me. I don't know about you. This is what it's all about for our church. This is what it's all about for God. He said he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The main reason we should pray is to get people saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from eternity in hell without God. That's what we're here for. That's why we have a church. We're a family. We come together to fellowship. But this is a soul-winning agency. Our purpose behind VBS, our purpose behind a wedding, our purpose behind any outreach at the parade, our purpose behind, behind anything we do is to get people saved. Just like so many of you in this place today have come to this altar and said, I need a Savior. What do I need to do to be saved? Today you're in a place you can change your life today. As I close, Jonathan Edwards, if you've ever heard of him, was a mighty, mighty warrior of God in the, 19, in the, sorry, in the 1700s. And the reason we know his name 300 years later, I don't know about you, But I want people to know my name, not for me, but because of what I did for God. The reason Jonathan Edwards' name still is known today in 2023, almost 300 years later, is he had a revelation of the power of an unbroken prayer life. And he began to pray, and he began to seek God, and he began to ask God to show him how he could be used, and God used him in such a way that a thing was called the Great Awakening happened was the first revival in the United States of America in the state of Massachusetts that to, today, to this day still has effect. And how many know Massachusetts needs another move of God? But in this, if you're taking notes and you're still here and you haven't checked out, the Holy Spirit showed him a few things I want to read to you. Listen, straight from the Holy Spirit. He wrote these down and he began to share these to people. He said, never do anything halfway half-hearted. How many know if we're serving God, we should be all in? Not halfway. And as a matter of fact, Jesus even said that. If you're not hot, be cold. If you're not, if you're cold, don't be hot. 
Don't be one or the other. You can't be both. You've got to be one or the other. And if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So don't do things half-hearted. The second was never lose a moment of time. Parents, pay attention to your kids. Pay attention to your grandkids. Husbands and wives, make memories with each other. Don't lose a moment. Because those moments, you won't get them back. And when you have a moment that didn't go the way you wanted it to go, change it and make it better. Make lemonade out of lemons. Number three, never do anything to another person that I would despise them doing to me. How, how, how would the world change if we would do that right there? Number four, never do anything out of revenge or self-ambition. And the fifth one was, never. this is a powerful one, never do anything that I would be afraid to do to the last hour of my life. And as he read those things to the crowd, like I am today, 300 years later, thousands and thousands of people got saved in the Great Awakening. Isn't that powerful? Countless thousands. So finally, what do, what do we need to pray for? We need to bind demons. The devil's not in everything, although he'll take the credit. Y'all realize that? Sometimes people try to put the devil in everything, and the demons in everything. He's not in everything, but he'll take the credit. Whenever there's a terrorist attack, if, it, if, if one of the groups don't claim it, and they blame a group, the group never goes, no, that wasn't us. They take credit for it. The devil will take credit, but the devil's not in everything. And when he is in something, a lot of times he's there because we let him. You need to learn to take authority, especially fathers and mothers in your house. You need to learn to take authority over demons and spirits of darkness. The Bible says, if I can read this verse to you in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says, He called his disciples together and gave, I don't think I have this in the, in the notes, and gave them power and authority. Somebody shout that out. Power and authority over all demons. All demons and to cure diseases. I am not afraid of demons. I am I'm not worried about demons. You know why? Because I keep demons where they belong in my life every single day. I tell the demons where they have where they stand with me and Jesus. Every single day I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of witchcraft. I bind the spirit of divination. I bind the spirits of incantations. I bind the, every spirit that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And the Bible tells us, listen, that we all have demons assigned to our lives. Just like we have angels from God, the devil assigns demons. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll get a tap into the powerful, unbroken, if you don't believe that, later in your time, go read Daniel chapter 10. Right in the middle. There was a prayer that was spoken, and for 21 days that prayer was held up by the spirit of the enemy. So the, the, the devil sends out demons to attack every person. God has angels to protect. That's why we're in a battle between light and darkness. There is a battle for your soul every single day of your life. Look at me closely today, especially if you're a guest. The devil wants you to go to hell with him. He hates you. There's no love in him. He can't stand you, and he'll do anything and everything to take you with him. 
Don't follow him. Don't give in to him. Because greater is he that is in me than the devil that's in this world. And Jesus said, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions. He said, if you believe in my name, these signs will follow. If you, you, can, you can cast out demons. You can lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. If you, you can speak in other tongues. If you, lay, if you touch anything deadly, it won't hurt you. Does anybody still believe that there's a power of God that is greater than the power of the enemy? God is greater. He's bigger. He's stronger. He already, the Bible says he disarmed every principality on the cross of Calvary. So if those demons are assigned to me, my hope in prayer, and I don't say it boastfully, I say it humbly, is that God, that the devil has had to change the assignment of the demons to my life a whole bunch of times. Because they can't get at me, not because I'm something, but because I know who Jesus Christ is in me. Do you know who Jesus Christ is in you this morning? If you don't, you got to get in prayer. So you can take authority over the devil because Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against rulers of the darkness of this age, this move that is happening right now in our world is demonic. It is a power of this age. And it is spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. But listen to this. As you bind the demons, remember when Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You bind the devil and you loose the angels. Look what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says. Are they not all, this ought to get somebody excited. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? You've got angels. He says, I send my angels, to, I give my angels charge over you. But you've got to loose them. Every single day I pray over my wife and my daughters and my son-in-laws, my son-in-loves and my grandkids. I pray over you as a church. I, I can't name every one of you individually, but I pray over you as a church. I pray over our serve team, and I, and I bind those spirits of the enemy, and I loose angels to protect you. There's power in that. I hope you're praying for me. If you're not, please start. I, I covet your prayers. We should covet each other's prayers. Devil can't touch us if we come together in prayer. It says one will put 1,000 to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. Did you hear what I just said? One will put 1,000 to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. How many can we put to flight right here in this group of people? We can take, them, we can take our country back. Bind every demonic spirit of darkness that's deceiving us. As the musicians come, I'm going to let me give you two more things real quick. Let me remind you, in case you forgot, guidance of the Holy Spirit. Bind demons, loose angels. And you should pray for your family to be saved. Pray for your family, not only to be saved, but to be ready for the return of Jesus. 
Lord, count me worthy, Luke 21, 36 says, count me worthy of your return. I'm watching and I'm praying. Number five, you got to pray, Lord, help me bear fruit. In other words, help me multiply myself. Just because I'm a pastor and I have a church and I'm preaching up here doesn't mean you don't have a job. A real family of church, a real church family, is a church that is winning souls all week long. In our workplace, at the grocery store, God, let me bear fruit. Let me live my life in such a way that someone will say, you have something I don't have. What is it? That they'll look at you and say, what do you have? My brother-in-law in Costa Rica, my wife's from Costa Rica. I met her there 30 years ago. We were missionaries for 10 years. And my brother-in-law came into my life about 10 years ago, and he came to visit with my sister. And they were just living together. They weren't married, and they weren't saved. He was an atheist, actually. And he, he, they came to visit, and he was, he'll tell the story better than me, but he says, I, I'm not going to Texas to stay with some pastor and waste my vacation living with a pastor for two weeks. He knew I was a pastor. But his wife now turned, talked him into it, and they came against his own will, and he came to my house, and he got there, and I said, I fell in love with him right away. Just a great, great guy. Lots of stuff in common, sports and all kinds of different things. But I said, if you're going to stay in my house, you got to go to church. How many, how many run your houses? How many here run your house? Not somebody else runs your house. It's my house, my rules. That, I'm just going to throw this in there and chase a rabbit for a second. That might be why you don't have a lot of problems in your house. If somebody's not in charge of that house, that means the devil is. So I'm in charge of my house under the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ. I said, if you're going to stay in my house, you're going to go to church. So they respectfully came. We spent two weeks together, went to San Antonio, hung out every day. I never picked up the Bible and read him a verse. I never preached at him. He heard it when he came to church. We just hung out. And after two weeks on a Wednesday night, he gave his life to Jesus. And, and he was no longer an atheist. And he said, the day I came forward for salvation, I just said, he said, I watched you for two weeks. And he said, you have something I don't have. And I want what you have. And I said, it's Jesus. The only thing I have that you don't have is Jesus. Church, we have Jesus today. And this world is looking for him, but they don't know what his name is. We've got to tell them. And prayer is what anoints our words and anoints our lives and fills us with the Spirit in such a way that someone says, I want what you have. I don't know about you. If, I could, if there's anybody else in this place that wants that, it's here today for you. To say, God, use my life so that I can affect one other person. How many would just... Just be smart enough today to say, if I could just take one person to heaven with me. You know why I say that? Because every time we do a service, like yesterday when I did that funeral, if we came to Denton, Texas just for Jennifer, 
It's worth it. She's in heaven today because she had a church to come to to hear the gospel one month before she died. I could go through this congregation and look at every single one of you that I know and tell you, if this church exists just for you, just for you, it's worth it. And that's how Jesus feels. He says he would leave the 99 and go after that one. Maybe you're the one today. Maybe you're the one person in this place that Jesus is after. He's left everybody else. You might feel like this message is specifically for you. It is. If the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. Some of you in this place today are running from the call of God on your life. You have a call of God on your life. You're supposed to be doing more for God than you're doing, but you love this world too much. And I can say that with all authority because that was me 30 years ago. Stop loving this world. Give your life to Jesus today and experience the greatest joy you'll ever have in your life that has nothing to do with money or things or anything else to be able to be an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the greatest call any person could ever have. Some of you are in here and you need to join our, group, our new group we're going to start called Christians Anonymous. For people who've been hurt by church. People are going to come in and they're going to say, I'm, I'm a recovering Christ, Christianomic. I've been hurt. Because lots of people have not seen what a real church is supposed to look like. What the real gospel, we're not perfect. But what a real church looks like that has love, that cares, that's a family. That cries together, rejoices together, hurts together, has fun together, but does it for Jesus. If you'd bow your heads this morning for just a moment, God is speaking to you. I feel his presence. I feel his anointing. I feel the prayers that I did. I feel your prayers. I don't feel resistance because the devil cannot, the devil cannot disturb this service because he's defeated. He has no power. He has no authority. He's under our feet, the Bible says. His powers have been disarmed on the cross. And it wouldn't matter if there was a witch sitting here or a sorcerer sitting in here. It doesn't matter. Those powers are powerless to the name of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of the Father. So you'll either do that here on earth, right now, or you'll do it one day standing in judgment because one day every single one of us here today will stand in judgment with God. Every single one of us will stand right before God all by ourselves. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's moving around and looking around, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you stand before God, because you will, you can say, oh, I don't believe that. That's okay. We'll, we'll talk later and I probably won't be there for you when that happens but I would tell you I told you so when you stand before God. Whether you believe in him or not, you will stand before God 
And the question is, will you stand before him as your Lord or will you stand before him as your judge? He will be one or the other. I don't agree with that. I don't understand that. I don't believe that. That's not what I, t- I was taught. That's not, it doesn't matter. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible's been around a lot longer than you and me. How many in this place today, if you died right now, you passed into an eternity that our minds cannot even comprehend, do not know for sure where you'd spend it? Would you lift your hand? I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? You're not sure where you'd spend eternity. Quickly, all over this place, just lift it. I see your hand. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. How many more? I see your hand. You're not sure today. Or maybe you're sure, but you don't have a a biblical sure. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Oh, that's so, that's so narrow. Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus said. You know why he can say it? Because he went to the cross. Because he became the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. Every single one of us in this place are guilty. Every single one of us have been sentenced, as I said in the beginning, to death because of our sins. Some of you in here today, as the Holy Spirit is leading me, are very religious. You're not going to name your religion when you get to heaven. It won't work. There will be no access to heaven by a denomination or by a religious name. The only access to heaven is through Jesus. God will look at his son and say, son, is there name in the book? And the only way your name can be in the book, the Bible says, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, it says, I'll confess you then before my father. But if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. Jesus loves you so much. Stop running from him. Jesus died on that cross, and he would go back to the cross again today just for you if he had to, but he doesn't. All you have to do is say, I believe. Jesus looked over to the thief on the cross that was just a few minutes earlier mocking him. He said, if you're you're God, why don't you get yourself off this cross and get us off too. Prove it to us. The same thief who was mocking him as he looked over at him, said to Jesus, Jesus, as he had a revelation, you are the Messiah. Would you remember me today? That's all he said. He didn't go to church service. He didn't get baptized. He didn't give a tithe. He didn't walk an old lady across the street. He didn't do Sunday school. He didn't do anything but look on Jesus and say, would you remember me today? And Jesus looked back over, and he didn't say, have you been baptized? Have you gone to church lately? Have you been a good person? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the gospel. That's the good news. None of us deserve it. All of us can have it. How many more before we move on in the order of service would say, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? I see your hand. I want Jesus. I see your hand. Let's stand this morning all across this place. If you raised your hand, 
I'm going to do something that my brother-in-law didn't know he was going to do. He tells that as part of his story, too. And I do it because of what I just said. I, I try my, to live my life the very closest to the Bible that I can. And whatever the Bible says, I just believe it. Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father. In other words, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. But if you're ashamed of me and you can't stand up in front of a group of people and say, I want to believe in Jesus, I'll be ashamed of you. If you raise your hand, and I, believe, I really believe there's still some people here that, that have not raised their hands, that today, if you stood before God, you would not be ready. I feel that in the Holy Spirit, but I can't make you make a decision. I can only warn you and tell you that Jesus loves you. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something's telling you today I need to change my life. So if you, if you raised your hand or you need to change your life today and give it to Jesus, there's an aisle close to you. Would you just come down here? Would you just step out? Come down here. I want to pray with you. Just step out and come. Amen. I'm, I saw some other hands go up. You can just stay looking at me. Come on. How many more? How many more? Come on, I'm going to give you just a second. Church, would you, saints, would you just pray for a second and see if there's anybody else? How many more? You don't want to walk out of here. I love this sincerity. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. You know what? I don't, this may be the last message I ever preach in my life. Beg you, don't choose death. Don't choose eternal separation from, from God. He's given you the opportunity today. I have to believe if you're here, you believe then in Jesus. The Bible says only a fool says in his heart there is no God. God loves us this morning. Now again, if we had this just for you, precious people. Everything we've ever done is worth these souls saying, I need a Savior today. Just say this after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I make mistakes. And I fall short of what you want me to be. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I want to change today. I want to be a new creation. I want to have a transformed life. Please wash me clean from my past. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you according to your word. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.